Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're beginning Parshas Korach, Korach Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Korach. It consists of 13 psukim, and it is from a parak Tes Zion in Sefer Bamidbar, Pasuk Aleph to Pasuk Yud Gimel. The main idea of our Aliyah is the breakaway ideology of Korach. Let's take a look at the summary of the Aliyah, and then we'll look at some points to ponder. Uh, it starts off how it describes how Korach took and it doesn't describe what he took, but maybe it's the people or the ideology that he took from the Mephorshim debate. But it describes a little bit about the people who are he is with. He is the grandson of Kahas, the son of Merari, the great-grandson of Levi. He takes Dustin and Aviron and the Onben Perez, the children of Ruvain. He brings 250 leaders in front of Moshe and Aaron and asks that Moshe and Aaron and claim that Moshe and Aaron have taken too much. He, he's, he essentially says... Um, the claim that they said is Rav Lochem. You have too much. Everybody's holy. Hashem is among them. Why Why do you seek power over the community of Hashem? Um, when Moshe hears this, he falls upon his face in prostration and he tells Korach that they will do a test and that everyone will bring a fire pan and those who are chosen will be the ones that Akash Baruch Hu brings close to him. He tells Levi, that in response to their claim to him, that Rav Lachem, he tells them, he also responds to them as a Rav Lach, that you have too much, Levi, you already, Rav Lachem, Levi, you already have too much, you've already been given so much by your, your special status. Why do you want to have Kuhuna now? He points out that it's not worth fighting against Aaron. Hashem has chosen Aaron and he tries to reach out to Dasan and Aviram, but they say, we're not going to speak to you, Moshe Rabbeinu. They claim that Moshe took them out of a land of, of milk and honey and, and intends to keep control over them, meaning to say Egypt is the land of milk and honey. It's a very complicated, very sticky situation. A few basics over here. First of all, what's the name Korach actually mean? The Bechor Shor says a very beautiful point, and that it's the same letters of Rachok, which means distance. Whenever you create Machlokas, you create distance between people. Very important. There are other meanings to the word Korach. There are the Hebrew words which have the same ideas, uh, we'll leave that for later, God willing, in the coming aliyahs, as to what else it could mean. Now, what's in it for all the parties? The fascinating thing, the Mishnah in Perik Havos on Perik Hay, Mishnah Yud Zion tells us that any machlaikas that Shaloy L'Shem Shemayin, that's not for the sake of heaven, is not going to have longevity. And is not going to be L'Shem um, what is the example of Machlokes Shalai L'Shem Shemayim, which is not for the sake of heaven? The example the Mishnah gives is Machlokes Korach V'chol Adasai, Korach and all of his Eila. Many of the Mepharshim point out, the Chassam Sofa questions this Mishnah. If you want to talk about the Machlokes of Korach, it's really the Machlokes of Korach, and his nemesis in his eyes is Moshe Rabbeinu, so it should be Korach Moshe. Why is it Korach V'adasa, Korach and his congregation? The Chassam Sofa points out, because whenever you have a real Machlokes, like a communal Machlokes, where you have discontents, who dislike some sort of communal convention, some leadership board, some group of spiritual leaders, which just happens every, um, uh, almost every single generation, almost every single place where you have discontents. Um, what happens is is that not, none of the discontents actually share common goals. They all have a common grievance, but they don't have necessarily the same ideologies, but they band together because of their shared grievance. 
You see this uh, in, in many revolutions. You know, when the, there was a revolution in Iran in 1979, as an example, um, the people walking in the streets were the le liberal left, the university professors who were protesting the Shah, the king of Iran, because of his, because of his autocratic pra practices. Um, at the same time, walking next to them were fundamentalist um, Islamic supporters of the Ayatollah, who was in exile. And what's fascinating is they had nothing to do with each other, so much so that when the Ayatollah came into power, the first thing he did was get rid of, get, get rid of and, and clamp down on the liberal left. So it's, it's just a fascinating thing, but you know, nonetheless they felt that they could come together because they had a shared, they had a shared discontent. Um, that's what happens in Machloikas. When it comes to a real Machloikas, like this kind of, of Karakvaidosa, or many ones that we see around us, unfortunately, the people on, uh, who are banding together, not banding together ideologically, they band together just because they have a, a shared common grievance. So exa example being like this. What does Korach want in this case? Korach, as Rashi explains, is jealous of the appointment of Yitzhofan ben Uziel, who is a cousin of his. Why? Because uh, um, uh, Kahas, who uh, um, had um, a number of children, Amram was the first of the children, he had Moshe and Aaron, so the leadership in Kuhuna went from, to, to Kahas' side of the family. But um, Yitzar, which is the father of Korach, was next in line, so Korach felt that he was uh, should have been the next person to get an appointment. However, um, Uziel, his younger uncle, was the one who got his, his son, Eli Tzofon, getting the position, and he felt that was inappropriate. What did the B'nai Levi have in it for them? So the, uh, the Torah points out that they felt angry that they were subservient to the Kohanim. They were, after all, the Kohanim, Aaron and Uvanov, were really just their cousins. They, why should they be so different? Why did they have to be answerable to the Kohanim when it came to the Avodah's Beis HaMikdash? What are the B'nai Ruven? What were their interests? Well, Rashi points out that they were neighbors, so they were influenced by the claims here. And the B'nai Ruven? Well, the Tanakhomek says that the very famous marshal that Rashi brings is that um, Korach brought in all these people in wearing Talas Shekulot Tcheles. They were all wearing, demonstrating these garments full of Tcheles. And he asked whether they needed to have tzitzis um, with Tcheles on them. When Moshe Rabbeinu said not, then they laughed at him and, uh, and, and suggested that Moshe Rabbeinu was making the Torah up from himself. Um, so the the idea, if you think about this in the, uh, of this, is really is that what they're saying is ki kola eda kolam kadoshim is the democracy of it is that we also are holy. With the whole beged, all of Klal Yisrael is really holy. Why should it be that one strand should be unique and special? When you have everybody who's special, why do you need to have a Moshe Rabbeinu? And that's really essentially what they were getting at. The Ibn Ezra says they felt that really the, the tribe of Ruvain felt a vendetta, that they felt that they were displaced by other tribes who took the Bukhara. Specifically, as an example, he says that Yahushua is going to be taking over from Moshe Rabbeinu, from the tribe of Ephraim, from the, tribe, from the, 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 the family of Yosef, who he felt was the Bukhara from the tribe of Rachel who took the Bechorah from, from Reuven. So all these discontents in the, each of their own ways. Korach because he felt that he was the son of Yitzhar and should have got his, his role. The Bnei Levi because they felt they were subservient to the, Levi, uh, to the Kohanim. The Bnei Reuven because they felt they needed democracy or the vendetta of having lost the Bechorah. All these discontents come together to form one big Machlaikas. The Machlaikas within themselves and a Machlaikas against Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, why did Moshe Rabbeinu choose this test? He just said, take the Qataris. It's the, bar the Baratunura on the Torah, Rabbi Vadya Baratunura. Um, Baratunura is the city that he came from, um, but he's known as the Baratunura. This is long before any blue bottles were invented. Um, he is known as the Baratunura based on this. That's one of the most important and famous parts of the actual city of Baratunura. Um, and that is, is he explains that um, the, he chose something which had the potency to kill them if done incorrectly, as we see by Nadavanavir, which is why he chose this test. The Chizkuni points out that because it is a zero-sum game, meaning to say only one person is going to walk out alive, he felt that they would actually um, not 
you know, stand up to the challenge, which is what he was banking on as well. Now, why wouldn't Asana Aviron come out? Moshe Rabbeinu is asking them to come. The Kliyakha explains that they knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to offer them some sort of compromise and give them a benefit for that compromise, and they didn't want to accept anything from him. As we're going to see in the next few Pesukim, essentially what they're doing is they're denying the opportunity of making a compromise with him. And that's what they, they are saying is lo na'aleh. They don't want to. They want to stick to their guns. And this is another hallmark when it comes to Machloikas Shalai L'Shem Shammai, is that when people are not doing this for integrity or for the values of, of higher spiritual values, and they really are only doing it for their own self-centered reasons, even though they, they clothe it in all kinds of you know altruistic ideas, then when it comes down to it, they're not willing to compromise because it isn't about the greater ideals. It's about themselves. And that's what's happening over here. That's what the Gemara says, We can't show in Machzikim of Machloikas, as Rashi quotes it, you don't hold on to a Machloikas, yet they still did. This closes Korach, Aliyah 1. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.